Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we are reading Genesis 36. This is the account of the descendants of Esau, also known as Edom. Esau married two young women from Canaan, Ada, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Oholibamah, the daughter of Anna, and the granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite. He also married his cousin Basimath, who was the daughter of Ishmael and the sister of Nebaioth. Ada gave birth to a son named Eliphaz for Esau. Basimath gave birth to a son named Reuel. Oholibamah gave birth to sons named Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. All these sons were born to Esau in the land of Canaan. Esau took his wives, his children, and his entire household, along with his livestock and cattle, all the wealth he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and moved away from his brother Jacob. There was not enough land to support them both because of all the livestock and possessions they had acquired. So Esau, also known as Edom, settled in the hill country of Seir. This is the account of Esau's descendants, the Edomites, who lived in the hill country of Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Esau's wife, Ada, and Reuel, the son of Esau's wife, Basimath. The descendants of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Timnah, the concubine of Esau's son, Eliphaz, gave birth to a son named Amalek. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Reuel were Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Midzah. These are the descendants of Esau's wife, Basimath. Esau also had sons through Oholibamah, the daughter of Anah, the granddaughter of Zibion. Their names were Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the descendants of Esau who became the leaders of various clans. The descendants of Esau's oldest son, Eliphaz, became the leaders of the clans of Teman, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Gatam, and Amalek. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Eliphaz. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Ada. The descendants of Esau's son, Reuel, became the leaders of the clans of Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Midzah. These are the clan leaders in the land of Edom who descended from Reuel. All these were descendants of Esau's wife, Basimath. The descendants of Esau and his wife, Oholibamah, became the leaders of the clans of Jeush, Jalam, and Korah. These are the clan leaders who descended from Esau's wife, Oholibamah, and the daughter of Anah. These are the clans descended from Esau, also known as Edom, identified by their clan leaders. Original peoples of Edom. These are the names of the tribes that descended from Seir the Horite. They lived in the land of Edom, Lotan, Shobal, Zimbion, Anah, Dishon, Ezer, and Dishan. These were the Horite clan leaders, the descendants of Seir who lived in the land of Edom. The descendants of Lotan were Hori and Hamam. Lotan's sister was named Timnah. The descendants of Shobal were Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shepho, and Onam. The descendants of Zibion were Ea and Anna. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the wilderness while he was grazing his father's donkeys. The descendants of Anna were his son Dishon and his daughter Oholibamah. The descendants of Dishon were Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Keran. The descendants of Ezer were Bilhan, Zaavan, and Akan. The descendants of Dishan were Uz and Aran. So these were the leaders of the Horite clans, Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Anna, Dishan, Ezer, and Dishan. The Horite clans were named after their clan leaders who lived in the land of Seir. These are the kings who ruled in the land of Edom before any king ruled over the Israelites. Bela, son of Beor, who ruled in Edom from his city of Dinhaba. When Bela died, Jobab, son of Zerah from Bozrah, became king in his place. When Jobab died, Husham from the land of the Temanites became king in his place. When Husham died, Hadad, son of Bedad, became the king in his place and ruled from the city of Avith. 
He was the one who defeated the Midianites in the land of Moab. When Hadad died, Samlah from the city of Masrekah became king in his place. When Samlah died, Shaul from the city of Rehoboth on the river became the king in his place. When Shaul died, Baal Hanan became uh, Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, became king in his place. When Baal Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad became king in his place and ruled from the city of Pau. His wife was Mehetabel, daughter of Metred and granddaughter of Medzahab. These are the names of the leaders of the clans descended from Esau who lived in the places named for them, Timnah, Alva, Jetheth, Oholibamah, Elah, Pinon, Kenaz, Teman, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram. These are the leaders of the clans of Edom, listed according to their settlements in the land they occupied. They all descended from Esau, the ancestor of the Edomites. Once again, thank you for letting me read <laughs> that text and all of those names. It's always a pleasure. Okay. So, um, what we have, I, and I've, I've mentioned this before about the, um, these are the descendants of, that's kind of a tag that marks sections of the text of Genesis. And, um, and, and what we have is the generations of Esau. And uh, I've pointed this out on more than one occasion, how, how Genesis is kind of a family history. So it really shouldn't be too surprising at this point that we get a chapter about the family lineage that can be traced back to Esau. We've seen this kind of thing before. So here's what I find most interesting about this whole thing. Um, Genesis tells some family stories very slowly with lots of details. And others it glosses over very quickly without very many details. And it's not hard to see that some families are more central to the story that the Bible is telling than others, right? I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? There are main characters and there are supporting characters in any story. So while the account is pretty complete, actually, by including the family histories of some of the supporting characters, we don't hear all the tales about their children. We don't hear about their faith or their lack of faith. Uh, We don't hear about all of their sons and daughters other than their names. As a matter of fact, this right here, this is the last we will hear of Esau in the book of Genesis. This account is the end of his story. So thinking back, what do we know about Esau from the book of Genesis? We know about his birth story because it's mixed in with Jacob. We know about his birthright and we know his being swindled out of his blessing from his father and we know the reconciliation with his brother. That's about it, actually. By contrast, we heard all about Jacob's birth, his life, his time as a shepherd. We heard about his animal husbandry methods. We heard conversations with his father-in-law. We heard all of his woman drama. And we will continue to hear a whole lot more about all of his children. So, I think, who are the people that Genesis spends the most time on? Whose stories does the narrative slow down enough to give us fuller accounts of their lives and their decisions? Three prominent names come to mind. Abraham, then Abraham's son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob. And those three names are going to become known as the patriarchs. They are going to be said together many, many times throughout the pages of Scripture, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, actually. They are synonymous with the whole people of God. 
As a matter of fact, that's how God introduces himself. When he meets Moses for the first time, what does he say? He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Everyone knew what that meant. It meant that those three names are the patriarchs of the family of God, the ones who God made promises to, promises to protect and to bless. Even in the New Testament, when we hear Jesus talking about who God is, he describes him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The apostles called on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bear witness to their message about Jesus. I don't think that I can overstate how much those three names are a major theme from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the end. But when I read about Esau, I think about how Abraham, he was the one that God called, right? And, and Isaac was the long-awaited child who was promised to Abraham. But, but Jacob, well, he was the younger brother, the one who got his place in that list of three names by deceit and by taking a place that rightly belonged to his brother. Nobody ever says Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. God doesn't introduce himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Esau is not the one through whom the promise and the blessing comes to God's people. Like it or not, agree with it or not, that honor belongs to Jacob. And don't you think that would make an older brother just a little bit bitter? Isn't it hard when somebody else advances past you, when somebody else gets the recognition and you don't? Jacob becomes a great nation, of course, and and his nation becomes known as Israel. Esau also becomes a nation, as his father had promised him he would. And he becomes known as Edom. Do a search on Edom in the Bible sometime. Just read some of the passages where uh, the name Edom is used. It is almost always used negatively or in some promised judgment. Israel and Edom were enemies. There are references to Edom rejoicing over the times when Israel was conquered and destroyed. And there are places where God promises judgment. Most of the time when you're going to read about Edom in the, in the Bible, it's going to be God promising judgment on them. One of them happens in a book called Obadiah, which is one of the lesser known and very short Old Testament prophets and is entire, and directed entirely at Edom. And uh, he says this, he says, the Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. You've been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress. Remember the, the hill country of Seir uh, that, that we heard about in Genesis 36? Because you live in the uh, rock fortress, because you make your home high in the mountains. But even if you soar as high as eagles and build your nest upon the stars, I will bring you crashing down, says the Lord. He goes on like this for quite a while, actually, in, in Obadiah before coming to this really interesting verse. Uh, in verse 10, he says, Because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When they were invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem, but you acted like one of Israel's enemies. Because of the violence, it says, uh, it says, because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel. Here again, 
translation from Hebrew literally, the literal word is, the idea is your close relatives in Israel, but literally what it says, because of the violence against your brother Jacob. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob. And I'll say this, sometimes I do feel bad for Esau. And, and Esau made some poor decisions for sure. The whole birthright thing was bizarre and strange. And, and it appears that Esau really didn't value what he had, uh, his rights and maybe his responsibilities as firstborn as much as he should have. Maybe he was looking for a way out of it, honestly. But we see good in Esau also when he rec- uh, reconciles with Jacob. He welcomes his brother home instead of getting revenge. At that. That's something good and admirable, right, that we should point out. But, but that's not the end of the conflict between Esau's people and Jacob's people, is it? That's not the end of the bitterness and fighting between Edom and Israel. If there's one thing we can say about the book of Genesis and the story that it's telling us, is that conflict is everywhere. It's between families. It's within families. It's within marriages, between siblings and parents. It is it is a lot. And, you know, maybe not much has really changed in that regard in the years since then. The world is still so full of distrust and misrepresentation and fear and even just outright hatred. That's how it was back then, too. But I don't want to throw my hands up in the air and say, oh, everything's terrible. Everything's going wrong. I mean, because there are a lot of things that are going wrong. But God... Through the pages of scripture, God was telling a story through his people back then. Through his family, through the family uh, of Jacob, God was telling a story. And I'm confident that God is still doing the same now. Right? God was not unfair. He knew what he was doing. He chose to bless the world through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the story that God is telling. So for me today, I want to look for the story that he's telling in the world around us. That's, that's one thing. But the other thing is maybe a little bit more personal, and that's that I don't want to miss out on being part of what God is doing, right? I can't help but see Esau as a guy who had a lot of potential. He was in the right place at the right time in history, but he just never really lived up to it. And maybe his story could have been different, you know, if he hadn't treated his birthright indifferently. I mean, who knows how his story could have ended. But as it turns out, Genesis 36 here is his curtain call. I would like to set my children and their children uh, on a better path than that, wouldn't you? And it's not like I need to be remembered and revered like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or anything, but at very least, I'd like those who follow in my footsteps to not have to inherit a lifetime of conflict and bitterness. So, how about you? When you look at your life, do you see the story that God is telling to the world? And if you do, or even if you don't see it yet, how are you a part of that story? And honestly, it's not like you have to be the main character or anything, you know? Maybe you're a major character like Jacob. Maybe you're a supporting character like Esau. I don't want to get hung up on that. But what I do want to know is how is my life a part of the story of what God is doing in our world? Let's pray together. God, show us the story. Show us the story that you're telling. Show us the, um, the story that you're telling through my life today, through the people that I meet, through my family. Um, God, show me where the blessing is so that I can follow you in it. And I uh, pray that you would bless my family and my world uh, through me. 
thank you, God, for all that you do in your name. Amen.